everybody. Welcome to another edition of Huddle Up with Howard. Howard Richards is here. I'm Mike Claiborne, and our special guest is Coach Carl Reed of 24-7 Sports. And, Coach, we wanted to talk to you because there's so much going on with regard to the National Signing Day. Uh, it's hard for me to keep track of when you can sign and when you can do this and when you can do that. But you are the man. And, and first of all, thank you for coming on and being with us today because there's so much to talk about. Uh, thank you guys for having me. You know, National Signing Day is always a big event. A lot of kids going to school, a lot of surprises. The transfer portal has affected it a little bit, though. Um, but I'm glad to be here with you guys today. Well, let's talk about uh, signing day because, you know, you, you have different rankings on schools with regard to how well they did as far as signing high school athletes. But you mentioned something that's important. Hey, the portal is now real as far as how you can get even better as far as bringing people in who are who are game ready. So you have to factor in the transfer portal piece to the recruiting classes. So when you it's not just the national signing day situation anymore. So like Missouri signed the class, I think, was ranked 23rd. But you can't leave it at that. You have to also factor in the transfers that they sign, which elevates their class to elite status. And which I've heard that uh, depending on who you talk to, Missouri's transfer portal class may be ranked as high as number one overall. It, it, uh, potentially, said could it potentially could be. You know, they just got flagged today. The linebacker from Miami, Toriano Pride, came back, you know, from Clemson. He was ranked as the number one corner in the transfer portal. They've got some exceptional guys. The, the running back out of Georgia State, um, Carroll, another exceptional mm -hmm. player, thousand yard back. So they've added some key people. Caden Green, how could I forget? Caden Green, Green, yeah, from Kansas City. Came out of Kansas City, uh, back from Oklahoma. So, you know, when you think about those guys that they that they picked up in those situations, um, they, they've been very active. Carl Reed is our guest, and Carl Reed, and you, I love your tweet the other day. You know, you know more than just Deion Sanders as far as coaches are concerned, which I appreciate. Um, for you, how much has recruiting changed with regard to the portal and, and how it, this is just such a fluid issue that we have now? How much has recruiting changed with regard to how coaches reach out to, to not only coaches, but obviously parents and the player itself? You've seen it change a lot. So what's the biggest difference? The biggest difference is you don't have to deal with the, the college coaches shenanigans anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So if, if he's dishonorable. If he does something that is unlikable, you don't have to put up with it. You can leave and you can move and you can go somewhere else. So that's a big change. And previously, the college coach had all the power and you kind of had to take it or leave it. And you kind of try to try to work through it with him. You don't have to do that anymore. And so that puts him in a different situation. But it also puts you in a different situation as well, because even though you don't have to deal with it, you still want to also make sure that you're not pushing the envelope too far. Name and likeness. That's a big play these days. And, you know, we're hearing about guys who are making six figures. Maybe there's a seven figure player out there. Hey, cool. That's that that's good on the top end, but on the lower rung, walk us through what that NIL looks like for just, you know, Joe Schmo who gets a scholarship, but he's not that five-star guy. I think a lot of guys' issue is that they overvalue themselves. Mm -hmm. And you know, you got guys that'll call you about money that aren't worth any money. You have to ask yourself, you know, what is your what where where are you at in the program? 
if you're not a starter, you don't deserve any money, you know, and, and, and you're not going to probably get any, maybe from a minimum level. If you do get some up front and you don't play well, they're going to take it from you. So you have to understand that part of the business also. I think that one of the big things that's went wrong with NIL is they're only looking at it one way. They're looking at how much can the collective pay me, guaranteeing me. But what they're not looking at is some of the things that they have control over, monetizing their YouTube channels, their social media channels, marketing themselves, which was what it was supposed to be about, you know, from the beginning, securing the market deals. Because even before the NIL rule was passed, players used to could not monetize YouTube. They couldn't make money from social media. They couldn't sell products. So there's a multitude of ways guys that are creative can make money other than thinking that they're going to stick up the coach and the collective. And you're only going to be able to get money doing that if you're a really, really big-time player. And what a lot of players are missing at, are missing out on is at some point, guys, they're going to expect you to play really good football. Yeah, you still have to play. I mean, you just can't show up and be on the practice Indeed. squad. You know, that that's Indeed. that's a big issue. Let's take our first quick break. <laughs> Coach Carl Reed's with us. Howard Richards is his huddle up with Howard. We'll be back after this. Can Graybar help my electrical and datacom jobs be more productive? Yep. Our supply chain services are designed to do just that. Like job site services? Yep. We deliver the products you need where and when you need them, no matter your industry. What if I have technical questions? Yep. Our specialists are top-notch. Emergency support? Yep. Even after hours. They're a unicorn. When you need to keep your projects productive and profitable, rely on Graybar to help you get the job done right. No unicorns required. Yep, Graybar does that. Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Munganass with Munganass St. Louis Acura. Here to talk to you today about some benefits of Acura's certified pre-owned program. After passing a 182-point multi-point inspection, Acura backs all of our certified pre-owned cars with a six-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty and a seven-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. Munganass St. Louis Acura has new inventory arriving daily. Come on into Munganass St. Louis Acura today, meet our award-winning team, and find that perfect certified pre-owned Acura for you. We're back. We call it Huddle Up with Howard. Our special guest today is Coach Carl Reed of 24-7 Sports, and his, his coaching resume is one that would probably take us another podcast to talk about. But, Howard, I'll let you pick up where we left off. So, Carl, <clears throat> tell us how it the transfer portal works. Everyone hears about it. But when a guy, let's just say Ohio State's quarterback, Kyle McCord, decides for whatever reason that he's going to leave the Ohio State program into the transfer portal. How does it work from start to finish, from the time he enters his name? How do teams find out who's available? And then how does he end up where he ends up at Syracuse? So there's a national database. And that on this, this year, December the 4th, opened up the transfer portal window of 45 days. So on December the 4th, guys were allowed to officially enter their name in the database so they can go to compliance. They fill out their paperwork and then they enter the portal. Once their name shows up in the database, Schools can be, begin to contact them and, and recruit them directly. They set up visits, and then they make decisions from there. And so I think that um, now some guys will start to get on social media prior to that and say, I have an intention on going in the portal. But until that portal window opens up, 
they cannot officially put their name in there. Interesting. And, and then when a team, let's just say in McCord's case, Syracuse, they see his name pop up and they're able to then start communication with him. Hey, we'd love for you to come and be a part of our program. If there's NIL talk, we can talk about what we can offer you or what you might be worth from a, from an NIL standpoint. Is that the way it works? Yeah, but, you know, there's also previous relationships. Like these kids have been through recruiting once already in high school. So most of them are going to still end up signing with somebody that they have some type of relationship with from somewhere before. Very rarely is a guy, you know, going into any situation blind. When these kids get in the portal, you know, they're already commodities. People know who they are. They know what they need in terms of a fit and and player depth and systematic fit, you know, whether the player can fit into what they want to do. You know, so that's the big part. The difference is in transfer portal recruiting versus high school, the player is a grown man now for real. So he's probably going to have a bigger say in what he's going to do in terms of at that point than coming out of high school when they're 16, 17, 18, and the parents and the high school coach still have a um, big influence on it. Typically at the college level when those guys, you know, are in their 20s, their early 20s, they, they're making that decision a little more on their own. Coach, I think you made a really good point there about the fact that uh, behind the scenes, these players and coaches have built relationships either from previous recruitments or, you know, maybe they were part of their high school program or whatever reason. Um, because if you just look at McCord's situation, like, why is he going to Syracuse? You know, Syracuse isn't really you, – you're leaving a program like Ohio State to go to Syracuse. And I think yeah. behind the scenes there is that that very thing, that he's got a relationship with someone there that made him feel comfortable, someone he's either worked with in the past or someone he's anticipated working with in the future. You know, when you look at it as an Ohio State versus Syracuse, you know, that's a, that's really an old way of, of viewing it. Now with NIL and, and coaching movement, you know, kids aren't as enamored anymore by the logos, so mm -hmm. to speak. They, like, they want to get paid. Now they yeah. their logo is now on a dollar bill. Yeah, that, that, that's the logo they're looking for now. We want to get paid. You know, money talks and BS runs a marathon. <laughs> hey, Carl, for you uh, <laughs> assessing all these programs, and you know they rank them. You know, Georgia, Alabama, uh, with top teams like they always are. Uh, who was a program that really kind of impressed you as far as how they were able to recruit and find themselves in the conversation? Because when you look at the SEC. There were nine programs that were better than Missouri as far as recruiting is concerned, and yet Missouri is still considered a, a, a winner in this whole process. The, the team that's been the most impressive to me is Ole Miss. Um, what Lane Kiffin has been able to do at Ole Miss, what he's done in terms of reloading his defense, the defensive line that he's recruiting, and has just been incredible. He's 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 gearing up to try to take Ole Miss to a place that they've never been before. And what he's been able to do in the transfer portal and the additions he's made on the high school recruiting side, I think is second to none right now. It, it, I think one of the things that stands out to me about Ole Miss is the fact that Lane Kiffin is still there. I mean, because he doesn't let the grass grow under his feet very long in any other place he's ever been. But he's really immersed himself into that program and obviously is showing now with all the good recruiting he's been able to do.
Well, you have to think about the way the game has changed now. It doesn't benefit him to leave Ole Miss and go anywhere now. With the with the transfer portal now, what is the upside in you leaving and going to what's quote unquote a better job? Once you've established a good NIL base where you are and you've established the ability to attract talent, you don't gain an advantage anymore by going to a quote unquote better program or a program that's more historic. It's why the University of Missouri right now is in yeah. prime the prime position they are. It doesn't benefit Drink to leave Missouri and go to a, a, a quote unquote blue blood program because of what he has. He's in the SEC. He has an unbelievable recruiting base in state with cities it's like St. Louis and Kansas City, the guys you're able to pull from there. And he's the only Division One football program yeah. in his state. And the businesses have showed that they're going to contribute to NIL and that they're going to give these kids deals. And so it doesn't make sense to leave and go somewhere else. Now, if you're just talking about the value of a scholarship and no transfer portal, you know, then that makes it substantially more difficult and then that would change the game. But the way the game is now, once you get a power five job and you show that you can work it, leaving is not as, as big as it used to be. Well, and I say that's a great point also, because look at it. People think hey, whoever's got the most money is going to, you know, win at the NIL game. And I say, no, look at Texas A&M. They're a perfect example. They yeah. probably got more money than God. And it's not working. They fired their coach as a as a result because he wasn't getting it done. Had nothing to do with how much money they had. So I, I think it, you've got to. It still boils down to who can coach and develop players. You got to get the right player in your system, uh, but also you've got to get these players up to speed. And and it, the fundamentals of football still apply, irrespective of how much money is involved here. And I think that's where. Uh, that's what enabled Eli Drinkwitz to take a step this year. Look at how he matured as a head coach, making the decision to go in and hire uh, an offensive coordinator so that he could now oversee his entire program, whether it's the portal, NIL, whatever the case may be. Um, he took a different look at his program, and I think he's benefited by, yeah, it's only been one season where he's got 10 wins. But it looks like what he's been doing from a standpoint of recruiting and, and portal acquisitions, that he's going to be able to sustain this. Yeah, well, he's done an excellent job in moving his program forward and also growing as a coach himself. I think that a lot of guys that are coordinators, when they become head coaches, for the first couple of seasons, they may still approach it like a coordinator. But he took the and they and a lot of guys never take the next step. He took the next step and now he's officially a head coach, you know, and he's he's running not only the 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 offense and the defense and the special team in three phases, but his recruiting, his evaluation, his ability. I've talked to him extensively about players and, and you know, film watching things like that. His ability to evaluate talent and know exactly what the player needs to be developed and get where they're trying to go. Man, it's really second to none. He's very special um, in, in his ability to evaluate players. Coach Carl Reed is our guest <clears throat> on Hold Up with Howard. Coach, uh, on a local front, you know, we talk about Missouri and their recruiting. Um, and there are a lot of kids in St. Louis that went elsewhere. But the one kid who decided to stick around was Jude James, and he was one of the higher-rated players on, their, on the recruiting list. Talk a little bit about him and how he – 
backed up the fact of being in Mizzou and staying in, in St. Louis and, and staying in the, in the state is something that he wanted to do. Are we going to see more kids like that? Because we've seen what happened with Luther and, and Brady Cook and some of those guys who decided to stay in the area. Is, is Jude James one of the next guys like that? I think that we have to always be careful when we when we push for trends like that. Recruiting, I've always said this, is you have to look at each player with the end as an individual situation. Mm-hmm. When I'm in Detroit, the guys at Michigan and Michigan State, you know, all the Detroit guys aren't going to Michigan and Michigan State. All their best players are not from the city of Detroit. All the best players from Ohio State are not from Cleveland, and they're not from Cincinnati. All the best players at Georgia are not from Atlanta. Brock Bowers, who's the best player in the country, in my opinion, he's from California, and he's the best player at Georgia. You know, so I think that in-state recruiting is not as important as everybody thinks it is. I've, I've always thought that that has been overstated. But I do think that there is value of staying home if you feel like it's a fit for you. And Luther thought that it was a fit for him. But when you're comparing situations, you have to compare it. Like Luther was a national guy, you know, the same way that Zeke was and, and guys like that. He could have went anywhere. But Brady Cook, it was it was Mizzou and Lindenwood. So, you know, Cody Schrader walked on after going to Division Two. So when you throw those guys in that conversation, that's not really the same conversation yeah. as Luther choosing Mizzou. You know, there is a tremendous amount of value for staying at home. But it's always not a good fit either because everybody from St. Louis that went to Mizzou didn't have success. So I I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's a pitfall that we don't talk enough about. You can bring all the guys, all the homeboys in one program, but everybody's not going to play. Everybody's going to be treated differently as far as how successful they're going to be. And somebody's going to walk away mad. And if you go back to your program in high school or whatever and tell people how you were mistreated, that's that's damage control that coaches have to think about as well. Well, think about the team as it's constructed. Chris Abram Drains is going to be a first-round draft pick. He's not from St. Louis. Enos Rakestraw has a first-round grade. He's not from St. Louis. Tyron Hopper is a guy, the middle linebacker. He's going to get drafted. He's not from St. Louis. So being from St. Louis – it's not necessarily a prerequisite. What what Coach Drink has done an excellent job of is identifying the handful of guys in the state that are good enough to play in the SEC. He's done mm-hmm. a good job doing that. And I think previous regimes focused too much on meeting with everybody in the state. I don't think the head coach at Missouri should be meeting with every high school coach in the state. I think they should do exactly – what Nick Saban does, what Lincoln Riley does, and what Dabo Sweeney does. You should come into St. Louis. You should recruit the three to four kids that are good enough to play in the SEC, and then you should go wherever you got to go next because it's all about winning, and I think a lot of coaches in the past have wasted time, you know, getting into arguments and going back and forth with people that don't even have a player that's good enough to play at Missouri. Let's take our final break. We'll come back and finish up with Coach Carl Reed. This is Huddle Up with Howard on ClavesOnline.com. There's always been a bright side to living in downstate Illinois. Amron, Illinois is making it even brighter with a little help from the sun. Right now, we're building a next-generation solar facility to bring you cleaner energy for generations to come. It's good for the environment, your neighborhood, and everyone living in downstate Illinois. 
That's brighter thinking. That's energy at work. Learn how you can participate in solar programs at AmarinIllinois.com slash renewables. Are you ready for a challenging and rewarding career? There are quality jobs in the construction industry. I got out of college and my career choices were very limited and this provided me with a plan for the present and the future at the same time. I actually have a bachelor's degree in psychology and I was making less than I make as a first year apprentice painter. I didn't go to college. I have no college debt. I make more money than the majority of people I know that went to college. Take your first step towards a rewarding career. Visit stlouispdf.org. Final segment of Huddle Up with Howard. Our special guest is Coach Carl Reed of 24-7 Sports. Howard, you take it away. How it look like he froze up over there. Yeah, it looks like he, he, you know what? I keep trying to tell him he's going to have to make a little bit more investment on his internet service. But he got dial up. He got dial up over there. Exactly. He has dial up. There's a rumor that he still has some of his signing bonus money. There's a rumor that he still holds on to some of that. I'm just saying, man. It's a rumor. We haven't been able to substantiate it yet, but, you know, that's that's word around town. All right, Howard, you you take it away. Carl, you have seen – you've been in the seat as as a high school coach uh, now with your role um, with what you're doing today. What trends do you foresee that will show up in college football, college athletics going forward? Where do you where do you see the sport going? Or I, I say the sport, the whole landscape of especially college football, college basketball going? Well, number one, college coaches are really it used to be where high school coaches would study a lot with college coaches because you were trying to emulate their programs. If I was a college coach, I would go study with some of the premier high school programs and ask them how they adapt to change, change from kids moving in and out of neighborhoods, change from guys uh, transferring in and out because high school coaches are very adept at, at dealing with that. And so that's you're not going to get a guy for four years anymore. Those days are over. If he plays very well early in his career, he might enter the portal because he wants more money, right? So you got to be prepared to, to renegotiate. Um, if he doesn't play a lot early, he's going to leave because he wants to play more, right? So you, it's going to be a constant in and out of guys. And so the ability to deal with that and be able to emotionally handle the toll on that. If you're a college coach, you also have to have some NFL qualities to you in terms of your ability to manage maybe a salary cap in terms of what your NIL department is willing to give off or knowing that, Hey, you know, the fans may not notice this, but the reason we lead the conference in rushing is because our right guard and our right tackle are really, really good. And they would be, and they would get a high level of dollar on the open market. So I need to be prepared, prepared for that, you know, as a, as a college coach. So, it's not just about sitting in the room anymore and drawing up plays. Uh, you have to you have to have some other skill sets now that are that are going to be very necessary. You, you know, it's interesting you bring that the, the recruiting of the guys who go into a portal. Uh, I was told by someone near and dear that a, a very prominent coach told him, "I have to figure out what eight guys I have to make sure I keep here 
in order to remain successful. And the rest of them I have to figure out. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, the money goes to the ones who produce and the other ones, they have a chance to earn more. They have a chance to lose more. But are you seeing more coaches looking at that 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 group of players that he knows he needs to keep in order to remain successful? Yeah, I got I, I'm gonna have eight to twelve impact guys on my program mm -hmm. that are returning, and I, I really need to renegotiate with them during the season. So I'm not dealing with that when I'm trying to sign everybody else. And then I know I'm gonna lose some guys that are gonna want more than what I'm willing or able to do. And, and then the players have to understand that there's a business side to that part of it too. What am I, what am I gonna do um, if I give you $300,000 and then you come here and you don't bust a grape, right? How do we handle that? Well, I can tell you how they've been handling it. They've been stopping those payments, right? <laughs> so players have to also be prepared for that. And so a lot of guys also, don't have the proper representation when they're entering these agreements Good because point. when you when you yeah. sign and you're saying I'm supposed to get paid this amount of money, you need to contractually protect yourself and that's what you need an agent for. But most of these guys, you know, they had their older brothers and they their cousins or whoever um doing these deals for them and they're not qualified to do that. And so then when the money doesn't show up or get paid now it's a big fight, but you didn't take care of your business on the front end. When do you think Here's we'll see you, agents get involved? When do you think we'll see agents get involved more directly? Because you're right about two. One thing there, there needs to be better representation, and you know, I, we you and I've talked about this. You better have somebody who knows how to do your taxes. Yeah. Because if yes. you think this is money that you're not going to have to pay pay taxes on, I got news for you. If you're lucky enough to get to the NFL. You know what? That signing bonus you get, that'll go right to the IRS for all the money you didn't pay. Well, here's the thing. If you don't go to the NFL and you then work a regular trouble. job as a school teacher or you're working, you're doing something like that, they still going to want their money. And then, then they're going to be putting you in the full Nelson, man, and your life is going to start off on a really, really bad foot. So you have to, um, you have to also watch that. Hey, Carl, here's one one more for you. So just looking at the Missouri program in and of itself, we've seen how uh, college football has evolved with regard to the passing game, right? Uh, but I'm always of uh, the, the theory that when you want to win a game, you got to be able to run the football at will. Missouri, two of the last three seasons, has had the SEC's leading rusher. In 2021, it was Tyler Beatty uh, with 1,604 yards. And in this past season, Cody Schrader wins the rushing title with 1,489 yards. What does that say to a program? A, if, if you even know running backs at the next level are sort of devalued, but as a running back and as an offensive lineman, do you look at a program like Missouri and say, wow, um, we know that a guy can't lead a league in rushing if he doesn't have a defensive, defensive, uh, a decent offensive line. Can I go and develop my skill set and be NFL ready by going to a school like Missouri? Can I now go and hone my skill sets as a running back and be NFL ready from a standpoint of blocking uh, and also pass catching by going to Missouri? Does that help the Missouri program with what they're building? over the last couple of years under Drinkwitz? 
Well, what it shows is that Coach Drink is dedicated to the running game, and, and he does come from um, the Gus Malzahn coaching tree, who's another guy that is, you know, very dedicated to running the ball. The pro football and statistics don't necessarily equal, right? So just because you have crazy stats in college doesn't make you a pro prospect. Exactly. But, um but the, the offensive line coach at the University of Missouri right now is, is doing an exceptional job, uh, Brandon James, and he's he's a guy that is well-respected in the industry. So you can be developed by a pro to be a pro by him if you are a pro, right? You, you could be a very great college player and still not be a pro. So mm-hmm. a lot of guys don't understand that, but uh, but it is levels to it. Yeah, the biggest example I say of that is the only guy in the history of the Heisen Trophy to win two and look at his NFL career, Archie, Archie Griffin. Griffin. Yeah. yeah. What he played three years, maybe four? Yeah. Uh, and, and did not have an outstanding professional career. Yeah, it his doesn't. Brother was we, a better player. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't necessarily translate. We can do a whole nother show about that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hey, yeah. Coach, we're out of time. I know yours is special, and we appreciate you spending part of it with us today. Uh, and for all of our viewers and listeners, uh, you can check this out and tell your friends. You can check out Coach Carl Reed on ClavesOnline.com featuring Howard Richards. Uh, we thank you for your time, sir, and uh, continue right. to do what you're doing, man, because you are truly the objective voice of reason when it comes to college sports. And for these parents out here, uh, man, you, you are a godsend. Trust me. All right. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Carl, right. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Same here. He's All Coach right. Carl Reed. That's Howard Richards. I'm Mike Claiborne. This has been another installment of Huddle Up with Howard on ClavesOnline.com. Have a great, safe holiday, everyone.